Welcome back, Blue Jay fans, to another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Bryant Ott, and I'm going to be joined tonight by the incomparable Matt DeMoranis. We're bringing this podcast to you as part of our whiteandbluereview.com Creighton Blue Jays sports empire. Matt, big happenings today on the hilltop, and uh, any Jays fan worth his or her grain of salt knows what we're talking about uh you know no real way to sugarcoat this other than um just a devastating injury suffered by maurice watson jr in the win at xavier on mlk day first of all your reaction kind of just the last i don't know 10 hours or so since news broke that this is happening I mean, I mean, when you, it was it was kind of a weird day because, you know, all the reports after the game were kind of trending positive. You know, yeah, they kind of you know they were like, well, we've done some tests structurally; it looks good. The ligaments look fine, and it, you know, the only thing we can't test is the meniscus. Now, you know, having a meniscus tear obviously isn't, you know something he could play with either it would do he would be out anyway but i think when the news broke that he had torn his acl which is you know obviously the long-term one um i think yeah it was it was you were kind of expecting something but i think there was i think there's a lot of shock in that it actually ended up being the acl considering what those post-game reports indicated as far as maybe it not being as bad as what it looked like on television or during the game. I mean, because he was running around on the sideline yeah. afterwards, you know, like he took over Kobe Parsons' job as like the biggest cheerleader down the stretch. I mean, yeah, he essentially was doing a slide drill when Cole was shooting that free throw. I don't know if he was trying to distract Cole or <laughs> I know, right? Throwing up it the on X. purpose or something like that. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I don't think know. he was calling for some sort of foul on the other end, but I was like, man, yeah. Cole needs all the co- concentration in the world right here. Yeah. Let's make sure he knocks these down. Although he did, right? We'll talk yep. about that later. But um, yeah, he seemed to be doing fine. I think I just got myself lulled into a false sense of. Twitter-induced um, maybe relaxation after, you know, Mac and on the post-game show talks about how the structurally everything sounded or seemed like it was okay. Um, I'm with you, though. Like, when, when – well, I didn't actually see it today, so my wife called, and she's like, do right. you see the alert? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, was there, like, a school shooting or something? Like, don't start your phone conversation with, did you see the alert? Like, it's right. intense. When you're a father of two, yeah. Like, <laughs> right, like, where did are my kids? you see what happened? Like, anything. I was like, was right at first I was like, did they freaking call school off again tomorrow? <laughs> like, <laughs> for no ice and no snow? But no, she says, did you get the alert? And I said, no, what happened? She's like, ACL. And I about threw up. Like, I didn't know that I was going to get that physically, like, shocked by it. Uh-huh. But I think I had just when, – when he went down – when Maurice went down, I was like, ooh, that looks a little different, right? Looks yeah. a little different than that little joke job he'd again, uh, you know, he, he, he did in the last game when he popped back up against Butler. But um, but then, yeah, I got lulled into it by like, reading these tweets and listening to Mac and some of the other guys, which they were just saying what they were hearing, too, from Docs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, then I just got my hopes maybe up that, eh, you know, three, four weeks at the most, he'll be back, he'll be I'll be ready, and now it's just a whole other thing. Yeah, and it's, and it's not – and just not from a Creighton perspective, from his perspective too. Ugh. You know, there was – the season he was having and the developments he made, like the improvements he made from year to year and kind of the way he took, um, you know, the NBA Combine's assessment of his game and tried to work on his weaknesses in order to be, you know, an attractive – prospect for NBA teams when the draft comes around in June, you know, that's, that's out the window too. I mean, he's going to be rehabbing. So, I mean, this kind of halts, this kind of puts, you know, a pretty large obstacle for his pro career in front of him here. So it's not just, not just what any like mythical hopes people had about Creighton winning a national title this year on, on Maurice Watson's back, but you know, it's also something for his career going forward that, you know, the timing of it is is just 
Very right, important. because if he, d- I mean, draft or no draft, you start lining up workouts for NBA teams. You start thinking about all your other prospects. I mean, he's going to have to work his tail off and still not be 100% by the time any of those um, parts of the process kind of kick yeah. in here. So and once, and once his game predicated on, you know, it's right. you know, high collision, high contact, speed, toughness, all those sorts of things, you know, and then you got a, you know, a bum knee yeah, to I come mean, back from on that. Like, I mean, yeah. Who knows if his, you know, I mean, all those kind of questions. Who knows if his game can even improve, or if it just—it's one of those things where it's just a maintaining thing. What's it, what's it going to look like? So, I feel right. for the kid, I do. You make a great point because I think a lot of people talked about Kyrie being Kyrie Thomas. You know how improved he is year over year. But I mean, I tell you, it is hard to not look at. Maurice Watson Jr.'s game this year, and I know he was good last year, second team All Big East. But I mean, frankly, I'd put those guys neck and neck, and because of the added work that Maurice put in on his on his jump shot, his three point shot. I mean, he's a really good three point shooter when he decides to take that shot. He hasn't really had to take it a ton, but shooting forty eight percent from three this year. Yeah, I mean, he and he That's, picks yeah. it, and he, and he picks his spots. Um, certainly. He's as good, if not better, with the ball in his hand, just out of knowledge of the system and running everything through. And I think he's, I think he's been a little bit better with a nose to the basketball in terms of tracking yeah. down loose balls and and playing D. But man, I think, you know, everybody talks about Kyrie, but I think Maurice has been as improved this season, which is saying a lot because he was really good last year. Absolutely, it's a huge, huge loss. So what are we going to do now? You've seen this team practice probably more than anybody other than, like, Ralph Bisline, who always retweets <laughs> our stuff. And I know he's listening, so, Ralph, we love, we love, your, uh, we love your notes and your, and your coverage and your, your followership. But what do we do? What are they going to do now? I mean, they have options. I know people don't like to think that they are options, but they have options. I mean, they're not, they're not Maurice Watson Jr. options, but, you know. Comparing them to each other now, which is what you have to do, they are, you know, all kind of, they all kind of bring something. I mean, you have Tyler Clement and Isaiah Zierden who cerebral, who bring the cerebral game. They know where everybody's supposed to be, not just themselves, but everybody on the floor. You know, they have that, that floor generalship. You know, they know when and where and all the timing of everything. But, you know, athletically, they aren't what a Davion Mintz is. You know, but Davion's a freshman who, you know, kind of has moments where he's, you know, he's not in the right spots defensively. He gets, you know, he loses him, loses his man a lot. I mean, it's just, there's, it's going to, I don't think there's going to be like a surefire answer right away. I think they're going to, you know, test some things out because obviously if, if Davion can prove to play enough mistake free basketball in order to earn some trust from the coaching staff, you know, he's, if he gets playing time, he can, bring that that fast pace up and down game that Maurice Watson could. So you want to like make a wholesale change to the style of play. But if it's Tyler or Z, then you kinda of have to go to a more deliberate style uh attack offensively. And one of the things I was kinda of thinking about was the way Villanova does it. I mean, now we don't now Tyler and Z aren't Jalen Brunson. But <laughs> I was gonna say I, I'll know, go kidnap Jalen Brunson and bring him to <laughs> Omaha, and we can make man, that what work. What would be like if he had said yes, right? Uh, right, former Creighton recruit. Um, yeah, it, I, he's they're not Jalen Brunson, but what Villanova does is they're really good at changing pace, and you know they pick spots when to push it, mm-hmm. um, and when to Creighton, push it whereas, real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas Creighton is relentless with Maurice Watson because he's just got energy for days, I feel like maybe if you if you play if you play Davion and only play fast and play Z and only play slow or Tyler and only play slow, you're kind of tipping your hand there for opposing defenses when one of them is in the game. You know, if Tyler or Z are in, you know they're going to slow the game down. You know, to necessarily and maybe you can crash the offensive glass a little more aggressively and not to worry about the transition game. Mm-hmm. Versus when if you put Davion in and say you're going to run every time Davion's in the game, then teams can adjust to that in transition and not commit so many bodies to the offensive glass in order to stop fast break points. But I feel like if they figure out a you know kind of a careful, you know, a consistent medium in between there with with one solid steady guy and just pick their spots to push like Villanova does. Villanova 
doesn't push much off misses or off makes. You know, they kind of walk the ball up the court, set things up, execute their offense, don't turn the ball over, get a good shot. You know, those are all Creighton, all things Creighton can do effectively. I mean, Z's a low turnover guy. You know, he's been a low turnover guy his entire career. So, I mean, he would fit pretty well style-wise in that kind of system. Um, and then, you know, on misses and against pressure, you can push and look for transition opportunities because you still do have guys who run the floor really well. And Kyrie, Marcus, and Justin, you know, you can still take advantage of their game in the open floor. So the coaches have their hands full because I don't think it's going to be, you know, you don't want to change, do an overhaul system-wise, you know, at this point of the season. But I think there's going to need to be some tinkering, you know, in order to find a style that everybody's comfortable with in order to best utilize everybody's talents. Because, like I said, there are guys who excel in the open floor, but also guys who probably are better suited for a half-court style of game. So you keep teams on their toes if you can switch things up and be effective. I mean, right doing these different running these different types of offense or different paces um you know how's this going to affect a guy like justin Patton, who you know obviously he's been on the receiving end of a lot of great passes from Kyrie and a couple from from marcus during the course Mm -hmm. of the season but really he's made his hay with you know number 10 looking out for him and putting the ball in just i mean Spots that only Maurice is going to be able to put the ball into, let's be frank. So, you know, how's this change his approach, if at all? I mean, obviously he came in through clutch against Xavier, um, especially with the tip-ins of the offensive glass late. What's this do for a guy like Justin Patton as he hopes to make even bigger strides than he normally does or that he has so far here down the stretch? Yeah, I'm kind of curious about how many times they can run the lob play now because <laughs> I just said run it to you Marcus. Like, a point guard who can get downhill. Some I don't know if they switch that and make Kyrie come off the curls and go downhill, and then mm-hmm. you can get him involved with pick and rolls with Justin. I mean, there's you know there's still players who can get downhill, but if you do point guard big man and you try to make you know centers guard ones, you know fives guard ones, and you know ones guard fives and that sort of thing, get some switching action going on. That's obviously not a mismatch. Creighton can exploit the way they could with Maurice and Justin, mm-hmm. so that's going to be something different. But I don't think Justin is – I think Justin has a more polished post-up game than probably we expected at this point. Um, sure. He kind of can get what he wants down there, and he's got good touch around the rim. So maybe if they go more deliberate in the half court, I wouldn't be surprised to see more post-touches for you know Marcus if he's matched up against a smaller guard or Cole who's really good on the baseline you know, and using those step-backs and those fadeaways and Justin who can – has some pretty good up and under moves in the low block area too so you know you might see more of a you know go back to the 2012 2013 2011 2012 offense where you know you wanted to start out getting Gregory a couple touches inside to get him involved you know get his energy up get him making some plays and then you know kind of working through Doug off of that you know I don't know if that's something they're thinking about or not but I, I wouldn't I think Justin is a guy that and Cole also is a guy that they can work through kind of in that low block area or in that intermediate area just to kind of get them some isolation situations and let them be the scorers that they are. Sure. Obviously, everybody going to have to pitch in. Even more so, Mac talked about it at the end of the Xavier game, just how, um, you know, it was the most proud he's been of a team here at Creighton and that it was a culture win. Um <coughs> Talk a little bit about Matt, and I hate saying that because I know that's just a cop out. Like the whole talk, a little bit about. I I noticed in some of like the oh. post the post game interviews for like the NFL games this weekend, or maybe it was like the Cleveland Golden State post game stuff I saw last night. The reporter didn't even say the talk about thing. They just say the state like they just said a sentence and then put the mic in front of LeBron's mouth and then had him talk. Like is that how well, people do this? Well, with LeBron, he's basically just a politically correct speaker sure. so you can just all you do is spit out talking points and he'll spit it back at you so nice um sorry i'm a jordan fan no, I, uh, <laughs> I feel like you know i mean don't you i mean you watch the game i mean it, it did feel like creighton was doing something a little special you know in that game I mean, they didn't – it wasn't like a game – it reminded me of 2005 against Nebraska, honestly. Remember when, you know, Funk was out and oh, yeah. Hitman was out and Moats was out and it was all doom and gloom. The Huskers were going to come in and, 
You know, they've got all these guys, and Creighton just boat raced them from the jump, like from the get. Jump, from a jumped them in a back alley, like when they weren't expecting, and never looked back. Right. Stole all their money, their girlfriend, everything, and just ran away with it. Like a Husker football player or something. <laughs> right. Right. So, like, you know, it reminded me of that because Creighton didn't play from behind. They didn't catch Xavier off guard late and pull off a miracle. Like, no, you know, I kept I think... looking at the clock every time there was a foul, which was like Tom oh. Nimitz wrote this morning, every 45 seconds of gameplay in the Lord. second half. You know, I kept looking up at the at the score bug, and I'm like, "Wow, yep, Creighton's still winning. Creighton's still like, just I don't know. I feel like if I they had a double like, digit lead with what six minutes left. Yeah, I mean, I it's mean, six, it's sixty one fifty, and you're like, okay, well, this is happening. And then of course yeah. you say that out loud or in your head, and then <laughs> Xavier rattles off three or four straight buckets. But I mean, yeah, you they didn't look. I know that they looked worse for wear in 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 comp. In comparison to how they normally run their offense and sets and stuff, but I didn't think anybody looked overwhelmed. I mean, no. there were a couple times on dribble handoffs and stuff at the top where things got a little fumbly, but, you know, Marcus does that all the time anyway, it seems like. There's just a problem sometimes with him. He's I was telling my dad tonight, I think he's like that wide receiver that's got his eyes in the end zone, even though he's only at the 40 and he's trying to come across <laughs> the middle, catch a pass, but he's like, in his mind, he's already – tomahawking that or yeah. already taking that to the as soon as he touches it it's dunked like oh yeah i mean and he's gonna need to do more than that like i i said out loud uh james woke up from his nap yesterday we were home because school's closed all this stuff right and so james got to watch the first half of the game they went down for nap nap didn't last too long didn't get in so hot and so he comes back out with like four or five minutes left in the game and i just you know Mar i figured i figured marcus was gonna take it over right that's you're looking for a pop offensively. You're looking for somebody to get to the rim. You're looking for somebody to push the issue. I thought he got that. And I know they ran a ton of plays for him where he made plays, couldn't finish a ton of them necessarily. And certainly he gets no benefit of the doubt when he goes to the rack and gets yeah, fouled. Why does, why does I, he not free throw line more? That is insane to me. Right? There was like body the on big it. physical guy who can get – he gets to the rim – a lot and gets draws a lot of contact for a guy who doesn't shoot as many free throws as he does. Right, there's a lot of physicality yesterday with him and and no dice, which every other player you breathed on on either team seemed to be picking up fouls. But do you see Marcus Foster's game being? Uh, I mean, obviously it's critical. He's you know he he can he can get points in droves, but how does his approach? or the coaching staff's approach with Marcus change now with Maurice out of action? Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the ball more, you know, as far as maybe in situations, certainly late shot clock, he's the option. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not Maurice anymore. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's play, plays a little, maybe not a point guard, but ball handler. Sure. You know, bring the ball up. He's, you know, because he can handle it well. He's an athletic guy. He's hard to pick it from. I don't know if he's maybe a more talented scorer than Justin is because Justin certainly has an array of ways he can, you know, get points. But, you know, I think Marcus is has proven to be a guy who can kind of create his own shot whenever he wants to. I mean, I haven't really seen a defense – I haven't really seen a defense stop him yet. I mean, it's just he's, he's missed shots. That's the only thing that stopped him, really. And you know, his shot selection has been an issue at times. But I haven't really seen anybody be able to stop him yet. But I don't know if that changes at all because Maurice isn't on the floor where defenses can focus more on Marcus. But, I mean, you still leave Kyrie and Justin, who are slashers, and Cole, who has proven he can go off anytime. I mean, it's, I, that's what I was saying this morning. I was on Sharp and Betting this morning, and they were talking – you know, how does Creighton move on without <clears throat> Maurice Watson Jr.? And I'm like, well, you kind of saw it on Monday. Yeah. yeah. Or yesterday, I mean. We had 30 minutes without him, I mean. Yeah, and there were, and there were what, five guys in double figures and Cole had nine? Or four guys in double figures and Cole had nine? So, and none of them were Maurice. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like there's still guys, and I said it earlier, too, um, in reaction to Maurice being, you know, in all the doom and gloom and everybody saying Creighton's, you know, dream season is over. There are still six guys who can get like fifteen to twenty, who have proven they can do it. I mean, Z needs what, four or five shots, and you know, there's ten if he hits them. If he hits three of them, yeah. Toby, Toby the same way. 
you know, Justin, what, four lobs, and he's got ten. So you've got eight and ten, he's going to the line. You know, he'll he'll just strip the ball from a guard and take it coast to coast anyway. Yeah. So, you know. Kyrie's gonna get two Kyrie's gonna get two steals that lead to breakaway layups or dunks. You know, I mean there's guys that can get buckets in an easy way. Quick. I mean, it's not like it's not it's not it's not like when I don't think it's like when and I said this it's funny because both teams that have started twelve and zero since World War Two lost their starting point guard for the season. Uh, when you go back to oh three oh four and then now this year with you know McKinney and Watson. Yeah. Um. So twelve and zero is a curse. Apparently, don't do that. Apparently. Uh, yeah. Eleven and one is better than twelve and zero. Um, wash, wash your contacts and <laughs> watch out for shitty basketball courts in Cincinnati. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think this team is better suited to handle this going forward. I just do. I know. And that's why I'm like, it's cracking me up to see all this. Well, there, there goes that, you know? Yeah. Cause did to... you know that we're going to play in the final four this year? Matt? Well, I didn't know that that was a, first of all, I'm very surprised to find out that that was set in stone. I thought that was still up for grabs. Something that, you know, <laughs> I thought, I thought, you know, I didn't think you get four exhibition games as a one seed to the final four, but I felt like you still had to earn that. But I mean, the you know, and they're writing it like such a like it's it's like a stone cold way. It's not like they're saying, you know, the national writers who have said it. It's not like they've said, well, you know, the national the national title hopes are you know unlikely now. They they pretty much have said it's not happening. You know, they're saying that it's like it's done. No final four, no national title. And I'm thinking this whole time, like Creighton's never even been to the Sweet Sixteen. Can we can we cross like? Is that a barrier that's already been crossed? Did I miss that? Did I fall asleep? Was I in a coma? Did Creighton already knock that off? I don't know. Yeah. If they get past when, when, when did it become national title or bust for the Creighton Blue Jays? Yeah. You mean the Creighton Blue Space the Blue Jays. Space. Right. Blue the Space Jays. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, and everybody that asks for the longest time, I mean, I work with a lot of Husker fans, and that's fine, man. Like, a lot of them, they want to know, like, what what's your realis- realistic, like, what will you be happy with? And I keep telling them, man, just get past the first weekend, you know, and then everything, it just, it's up for grabs. You know, if you're a blue blood, you have a little bit better shot than not, but we've seen enough non-blue bloods over the course of the last 10, 15 years make a little run that, I mean, it's just, it's a crapshoot. So get past that first, first weekend. You know, I think the, the only thing that really, bogs me down here emotionally is that you know you're you're one of those top two or three seeds in a region you might get some you know some placement help some location help but yeah no offense to any of the cities that are hosting first and second round games this year but i don't want to go to any of them so you know so that's like, not skin off my back i suppose i was looking at a few of them today and is, is milwaukee a first round site this year yes okay so I'm pretty sure Creighton fans would travel to that. I would think. And doesn't Cre- and if it's in the Midwest, is Milwaukee in the Midwest region, right? They don't do that anymore, though. Remember they oh. they they break out the pods. So um, the only thing, the only location that's tied to the region that you're in is Sweet 16 Elite Eight. So you could play in Milwaukee, but be in the West Regional. Um, oh. So. So okay, but let's just say let's just say Creighton plays in Milwaukee, and then goes to kansas city for the next weekend yeah i like this keep talking are are they not gonna have you know wouldn't it seem like they would have a a good contingent of fans to have an advantage there no they would i'm saying that maurice going down even if the jays let's say the jays go 500 the rest of the way out they're not going to be seated high enough to be placed in the midwest region because you don't think so i i don't think so i let's say i mean i'll say this i'll say this carefully if I'm waiting on the NCAA to make a decision that would put a benefit for Jays fans to follow this team, I'm not going to hold my breath. Now, I know that – Unless Rask are, is to choose. That's what I'm saying. Yes. I mean, is he not the head of the selection committee this year? Throw right? Rass a bone, man. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, have we not seen all these years where yeah. uh, AD is on the team on the committee and all of a sudden this shady team – that should yeah. have been a six seed in the NIT makes it into the tournament yeah, as like a ten seed. I mean, how many times have we seen that? I would love for us to be so the what shady if, what team. If, what if Creighton is the team that everybody's bitching about this year? What would I would really love. Are, would you? Would you hate it? No, you would. No, man. Like I think you play into this. So here's my deal. I think Maurice, because he's amazing and he's great with a uh, great leader, 
cheerleader, all that good stuff, right? He bec- And I tweeted this earlier, right? But it was just kind of like tip of the iceberg for me. This is going to start to go off the deep end. But you're into comic books and all that stuff, so you get where I'm going here. So Maurice, it already. First of all, Maurice needs to get an eye patch. He needs to grow the fro out a little bit longer. Like maybe let himself like go a little bit like the don't shave, you know, get like kind of looking evil. Second, he needs to collect all this bullshit people are spewing on the Internet and like just start oh. taping it up everywhere in the bulletin boards in the locker new, room. Right. New, or whatever. Wallpaper, new wallpaper for the championship center, baby. Like, right. Put it on the 900 foot screens that they have up there. Take the pictures of Kyle and Doug and Anthony down. <laughs> just put like all these national riders up with, you know, whatever on them. And then you just commit to wearing the gray alternate jerseys the rest Ooh. of the way. Just go super dark. We're going to like everybody grow little sinister mustaches. Ronnie's kind of already got one. He's got like the samurai thing going. I don't know if Justin can grow a mustache yet, but I think we just kind of lean into it and blow blow stuff up, man. Just yeah. take it. Just embrace it all. Let it become your attitude. Yeah, they're going to send us to Buffalo, and then we're going to have to go out to, like, the West region and play <laughs> in, like, San Jose or wherever that is. And it's going to be fine. We'll be okay. See, here's the thing. Big picture, and this is just me being a little selfish and kind of egotistical, but. You don't want to go to Buffalo. Big picture. No, I don't really care where they I don't <laughs> care where they go. Uh, <laughs> definitely don't want to go to Buffalo. Um, please don't go to Buffalo. No Buffalo, please. Uh. All I'm saying is they're 18 and one right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I ha- and I had and they the get to started, play DePaul two more times at least. And they get to play DePaul two more times, St. John's one more time, Georgetown two more times, Providence one more time. Come Georgetown, on. weren't they like your pick towards in the league? Georgetown, what? <laughs> oh my god, I picked them second, man. Oy. Why? But you have what the Jays 17 and two through 19. I had the Jays 17 and two, right? So I had them finish in thirty eight and over thirty and eight overall when the season was done and everybody was saying you're crazy and you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you're overdosing and all this stuff, right? Well, I hate to break it to everybody right now, but at eighteen and one, they're kinda of like ahead of the curve on that yeah. prediction, which everybody said was crazy. So they kinda of have to go twelve and seven, which, you know Realistic. Not, not, every, not everybody's not everybody's gonna have fun with a twelve and seven finish, but to get to thirty, that's what needs to happen. So I'm right on track as far as I'm concerned. Sorry that Maurice Watson had to get hurt to make it happen, but <laughs> I, that's the price we'll pay, apparently. Dear God, please don't take that out of context. Oh, my gosh. No. Like, yeah, I injured him to make my prediction more realistic. Right. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, first up, we speaking of, we're talking about Milwaukee. The Golden Eagles of Marquette come to town on Saturday. I mean, obviously the place is going to be buzzing for a lot of different reasons. Games on Fox national television, early afternoon or you know mid afternoon starts are always great. Tons of tons of fans in the building. Everybody's had a chance to get buzzed up and pumped up. Marquette's a big name, and now it's just going to be eighteen thousand people holding their breath to see what the heck's going to happen next. Do you think so, though? Yeah. You don't think it's going to be one of those rallying kind of games? Oh, no. I, I totally do. I think that, if anything, the crowd is going to be more behind this team because they know yeah. they, they need that. But I'm I just agree. talking about, like, uh, who's going to run the point guard position for the majority of the game? What's the flow going to be? What's the pace? I mean, you just got a sense every time that Justin Patton went up to get that tip, he'd get it. They'd scuttle down. They'd run some set, but then it was on. I mean, it was up and down. And that's just, you know, good, bad, or ugly. And I wrote this on the Underground earlier today. You know, as a selfish basketball fan who has really enjoyed watching um, Maurice and what he's been able to do at the point, but more than that, just the way that, once again, Coach Mack has evolved his offense to run a different pace, to run different things. I personally, as a basketball fan, just not a Jays fan, I can't handle going back to, like, watching something slow and grindy. I mean, I, I like the Corvette, and, you know, I not it's always, I know it's not always going to get us where we need to go. I know that it's not always reliable, and sometimes, you know, you can get in trouble and things like that, but it's still super fun to be a part of, and so – I don't know. I think that's why Saturday, to me, I'll just be kind of waiting well, I mean, there with bated breath. Yeah, I mean the duck. I mean, but you go back to the Duck McDermott teams. I mean, they were efficient, but they weren't necessarily up tempo. I don't no. think. I mean, they, 
They tried to push, but I don't think they ranked very high in tempo at all. No, but I I think, again, Mac did a great job of from his first year through then those second, third, and fourth years yeah. changing his offense to meet the abilities of what he had on the court, right? Going from Antoine to Austin, going from Kenny to Gregory to – you know, all of those things moving – with, with when Grant got into the mix and just that opened up a ton literally of different passing lanes that they could feed the ball into Doug from and so how would you how would you do it this year then going forward I guess you you kind of I mean I kind of gave you what I thought in differences in style from Z to Tyler to Davion what, what's your I guess what's your perfect mix of how you would you know best utilize the three potential point guards you have left on this roster yeah I think it is a mix I I think and I have no understanding of how a coach's staff would actually pull this off but it's interesting to see like when teams will throw different defenses at an opponent based on whether it's matchup or just you know time and score uh, game situations I at least just from my feeble understanding of basketball can always pick up on those switches a little bit easier like you know, mm-hmm. Mac goes from hard man man to a one three one. Not that that ever happens a ton, but obviously very noticeable. And something has predicated that change in his mind. Yeah, I have no problem, and would be really interested to see what all three of those different point guards could do, um, and not just force the issue into f- fixing it into one. You know, which I don't think they'll do. Right? I yeah. I just I can't for unless one really. You know, unless one stands out from the three, that's I don't see it happening either. Yeah, I mean, I and I think you take it game by game and stuff, but um, yeah. you know, I thought I, I thought uh, Isaiah did a uh, did a good job, and I in the situation he was in, and I think Davion came in and played pretty well for the situation he was in, and all this, you know, Davion got two fouls and missed a bunch of defensive assignments and stuff. It's like I, you know. We're, we were never going to be – I know our defensive statistics and efficiencies are improving, but, I mean, let's say, let's be honest, like if we're going to make hay deep into a tournament run, it's probably not going to be our defense that takes us there. It's going to – I mean, it can be good, right, but it's going to yeah. be the offense that we're behind. For, it, so. for a deep run, the defense has to be good. For, sure. You know, but – yeah, you're, the offense is what is going to carry this team. Right. So, I mean, that's where I'm at is just not getting hemmed into one thing because of trust or because of seniority or any of these things that I don't even know if they really come to play at all. Um, there's just conjecture. But, you know, I'll just be really interested to see on Saturday against Marquette because you got two interesting games. I mean, Marquette, to me, is a really dangerous team. Georgetown also for different reasons, but man, that thing is just a shell of itself oh. in DC right now. So I think it's two interesting opportunities because Marquette and Georgetown both big bodied, got athleticism in droves, but they're obviously Marquette susceptible to uh, I don't know giving up sixty points and a half, and Georgetown yeah, susceptible Mar- to getting boat raced by people. Oh yeah, the thing, I mean the thing about Marquette is they you know they obviously lead the conference in scoring, but they're also ninth in points allowed, so I mean they don't stop anybody. Right now, you're saying Creighton took a hit offensively with Watson being out, so advantage Marquette in that regard. But I mean, I don't know if there's if Marquette has. I still think Creighton is, you know, I still think Marquette is outmanned in this matchup coming to Omaha. You know, I yeah. feel like Creighton still. I feel like Creighton should still be favored. Now, there's obviously question marks surrounding the entire team based on how they play without Mo. I get that. But I feel like Creighton's still, you know, just going on down the roster. I feel like Creighton is still the more talented team, you know, the team that understands who it is more now that took a huge hit on Monday. But, I mean, there's still a lot of experience in this group. I mean, Justin Patton, we're talking about him being a one-and-done, but he's a redshirt freshman. He had a whole year to develop. Kyrie Thomas spent a year in prep school. He's basically a junior. Marcus Foster, transfer year, he's basically a senior. Cole Huff is a fifth-year senior pretty much because he sat out his transfer year. Isaiah, um, you know, if Zach comes back early February, that's a you know a four-year guy. Toby Hegner, redshirted, he's practically a senior. This is a pretty experienced team. So, I mean, they're not – this isn't something they haven't faced before. I right. mean, it's just it's – just, 
you know, facing it's just who went down is the big the big deal. But I don't think this I don't think this team is going to be as phased as probably everyone else reacting to it seems to be. Agreed. I feel like I, I feel like they're going to embrace the next man up mentality. I'm telling you, man, they're going to wear all gray jerseys and all it's gray and they're going to leave a mark, man. And they're going to it's going to go well. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if the bench just gets extended to all the way down either. Just yeah. to kind of feel, just to kind of feel it out again, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I feel like the coaching staff really trusted that rotation, you know. And I know it was only seven, eight deep, but I feel like the coaching staff trusted it to be play efficient, to get the job done, to get a big lead, and then you know you deal with getting guys in at the end of the game for you know their playing time and their game reps and all that stuff when it, when it comes to that situation. But I wouldn't be surprised if the coaching staff kind of just tries to experiment with it a little bit. Now, obviously, they're not going to do it to the point where they're taking losses. You know, right. they're not going to sacrifice games to get this thing figured out. But they're also not going to go undefeated the rest of the year either. I mean, that's that was unlikely even when they were healthy. Breaking news: You heard it here first. No <laughs> yeah, undefeated. Yeah, finish. Creighton wasn't assured a national title. Sorry, okay. folks. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, would you be surprised if you know Ronnie gets more run? You know, Martin gets more run. You know, you get Zach back healthy. He's going to have to be put back into the mix. You know, Davion's going to get a shot at point guard here. Tyler, I mean, go all the way down the bench with the exception of maybe a Kobe. Kobe? Maybe that's, maybe that's your cutoff. Kobe and Jordan maybe are the cutoff then. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ronnie gets more run. He played great on Monday. You know, Martin did t- as well. Toby was as good as he always is on the road this year for some reason. He loves playing on the road. I wouldn't be surprised if the bench gets extended a little bit more just because – you know, they, they're going to have to try to figure out a, a reliable rotation now with, you know, Maurice Watson out of the, you know, out of the mix. Yeah, I think that that's my silver lining here is more guys are going to get involved, I think. And there's just going to be more kind of shifting in and out of seeing what works, right? Which is good. It's going to keep those guys engaged. People are going to feel like they're contributing in uh, – in real time and and you might find something like i'm i'm bullish on a guy like martin man i think he comes in and uh you know it's still learning curve for him but you can't you can't deny that athletically he has some gifts and he can go get offensive boards and he knocked down two free throws smooth as silk and you know in a in a in a really hostile environment you know and on a court that we've already established is possessed with some sort of weird well, I mean, honestly, demon. Like, what dude, is that court made of? Seriously, uh, I mean, I, Z's knee like bends in half, yeah, in just in open space. Like he's just bringing it down, and all of a sudden, well, J- no one around him. It was not like he was juking anybody. He was running in a straight line. James wanted to know what the outline of the buildings were on the court, and I said <laughs> it's because it's made of steel. It's a steel plate underneath it's there. Steel. It has to be. So it doesn't uh, have like a, it doesn't absorb vibration like it. Right. Know. So they must have like burnt all of the uh, extra padding away when they do the big pyrotechnics before the game starts. There. Oh, you know what? Something. Pretty sure I saw a picture, and that that knee knock was right on where Creighton's. You know. Probably some like floor. loose kerosene was out <laughs> on the court or whatever they do. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but anyway, super cute story. So right, like I. Um, I heard the news about Maurice, and uh, I go to pick up James today, and I wanted to be the one to tell him, like, you know, because he's been really, he's been really into Maurice this season, and I'm like, hey, buddy, yeah. you know, Maurice is he's hurt, he's not going to play anymore for Creighton, and he, God, I love little kids, right? He's five years <laughs> old, never had a bad thing happen in his whole life. He's like, Dad, it's okay, Zach Hansen's coming back soon. <laughs> I just wanted <laughs> to give him a hug. I'm like, yep, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> So Zach's going to be, hopefully, I mean, what have you heard about Zach? I know we saw him get the boot off. He was out there getting loose against Truman, or, you know, before Truman's Day. What's the prognosis there? Yeah, well, right now, I mean, I, I don't think he was supposed to, I mean, I think he's a little more optimistic, but the boot came off and he essentially hid the thing so he'd have to put it back on. So, uh, sure. you know, which you can understand, but, you know, and I've gotten a lot of questions about, well, why doesn't he just redshirt and, you know, come back next year for a full season and all this type of stuff? And, you know, it's like, think about it from his perspective. He's sitting on the sideline during Creighton's greatest season ever. Does he want to be a part of it on the court or not? And it clearly, clearly he wants to be a part of it. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, he's 
he's attacking these workouts like he doesn't look like he's hurt at all. I mean, he's going as hard as he can. Obviously, he knows when there's kind of some kickback physically, and he's, you know, coordinating with the trainers in that regard when that happens. Um, but his plan, if he's pain-free through all his workouts and doesn't have any setbacks, his plan is to try to get back. I think February 4th is the date he said, but the doctor said, you know, anywhere from early to mid-February is a likely, which was the word that was used, likely return date if he doesn't have any major setbacks. Between okay. now and then. So he's planning on coming back this year, and it looks like, you know, as of today, he's still on track to return um, in maybe February at the latest. Okay. So that's well, a bit of good on the injury front there. Yeah, we'll take that. What else you got, Matt? Obviously, it's been a busy uh, 24 hours. And just FYI, the Jays did win in Cincinnati. They won, they won that game. Here, you know what? I'm going down the schedule right here, and it's like, let's look at this for a minute. Because Maurice Watson Jr. is done for the year, but there's like a margin of error here. It's not like Creighton was like winning one-point games with him. I mean, right. they beat, beat Wisconsin by double digits, beat Washington State like they stole something, North Carolina State ran out of gas. Ole Miss, what, had like a double-digit lead and lost by nine somehow in the second half? Mm-hmm. I mean, Loyola 30, Buffalo 20, Akron 12, blew out Nebraska essentially three different times in that game. I love one it. One by 15. <laughs> All, you know, Oral Roberts was the one-point game, went to Arizona State, double-digit Seton Hall, double-digits Villanova is the best team in the country. You know, then – And it's not – Beat, beat really... Blue out St. John's. Beat Providence by double digits, blew out Butler, blew out Truman State, and beat Xavier by five. Like, there's a margin for error here. Creighton's still a really good team. Maybe they just won't blow out people as much anymore. The cardiac, the cardiac <laughs> cue might be back. The cardiac link. Yeah, it'll just be like Creighton volleyball where there's like a bunch of fifth setters and everybody's, you know, just. Hey, they made it to the second weekend. I'll take that. Right, they did. Uh, yeah, you were there. You just got back from Austin yesterday, right? Right. <laughs> Feels like it. Um. Yeah, Villanova is the best team in the country, and it's not even really that close, is it? God, did you see what they did to Seton Hall? I Oof. did. Yeah, that was did. that was that was almost brutal to watch. It was, I felt bad for Seton Hall. Uh, I'll usually not really ever feel bad for Seton Hall, but <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, the Hall that that's like the Enigma team right now. I feel like Marquette has kind of taken their spot in that fifth team from the Big East that'll get some sniffs uh, around the bubble. Come come bracket time what do you what do you make of that kind of uh you know obviously it's Villanova and Creighton right now but Butler looks like the solid third there um you know this league is and we knew it would right it's just very good kind of eating itself right now what's going on I'm 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 not trusting Marquette very much either I watched them blow a pretty big lead yesterday yeah (laughs) right exactly Doors blown off in the second half. So it's like only um, like two teams want to not play on Wednesday night in New York is the sense I get right now. It's crazy because I felt like there's a huge separation between Villanova Creighton. And then I don't know if you heard Heath and I on Blue Jays shoot around, but going to that Butler game, you would have thought we were crazy because we were predicting a blowout and it ended up playing out that way. I mean, I just didn't think Butler matched up well with Creighton at all. Now that changes, obviously, because the matchup is different now, but. You know, I felt like Creighton and Villanova were clearly the top two most talented teams in the conference, the teams that, you know, had a system, knew what they were doing, all the things that lead to, uh, you know, a great season and a winning streak, a long winning streak. And then Butler was a team that just could play it tough, you know, you, that just it's hard to kill, you know. They'll, they'll sweep out a win if you get lazy or complacent or have a bad stretch in a game. Mm-hmm. And Xavier's a team I feel like is not playing well right now. And then it starts it, – it just – the rest of the conference starts trending that way. Like, Xavier, I don't feel like – I feel like Xavier's safe, you know, if they don't have a long winning streak or hit a wall that's inexplicable. I feel like they're, they're safely an NCAA tournament team if they can just keep it together. Sure. But they're, not, but they're not playing well. And then I feel like Marquette is just not – just doesn't have – is not consistent enough. Seton Hall is trending down. You know, Providence is trending – and yeah. upright, they're trending up right now, but they weren't very good to begin with. Well, that's so that's you, much. I mean, you could play John. Georgetown. I mean, it'll yeah. make a lot of teams right now look like they're trending up, right? I mean, and, George, and look at Georgetown. Georgetown's Georgetown's a team that maybe can get in on their non-conference resume if they don't, you know, you know what the bed and conference play. 
Yeah. Well, guess what? They're you know what in the bed in conference play. They're one in five. They're one in five right now, and they're at Xavier, hosting Creighton, and then at Butler in the next three games. I mean, that's easy one and eight right there, right? I mean, maybe you can say Creighton's a question mark now because of. Yeah, I think it. They, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, I really do. I think it's that's going to be tough for a lot of different reasons. I mean, the good news is like their fans don't show up, so. It's right. not like anybody's going to be breathing down the Blue Jays' necks necessarily in D.C. that night, but um, well, optimistically, Georgetown's two and seven at the halfway point of the conference season. Optimistically, yes. Woof. Yeah. Garbage. Like I that dog is that dog is that that that, that Hoya is howling. Sure. Help! Like there's a dead body in the house and no one can hear this dog like howling for the police. What dog do you like more, Butler's dog or Georgetown's dog? Easily Georgetown's dog. Butler's dog is disgusting. Whoa. I thought you were going to say easily Butler's dog. Wow. This oh, is, man. The thing's got like. It's breaking. Thing is like, no. Breaking you, news. It, it's not breaking news. Alex and I are despised <laughs> Butler Blue 3. Okay. He's ugly. He barks wow. all the time. He throws up everywhere he goes. Okay. When he tore his ACL, I was like, good. Keep him away from every. You would not have wanted to hang out with me in college at all, man. <laughs> Why? You let, you're all about Smell, that. Smell. <laughs> hurt my legs all the time. Puke everywhere we go. <laughs> you were basically Butler. Over, I was, but I was basically Butler Blue, but no girls thought I was cute. So, <laughs> how does that work? Uh, you got to uh, figure it out. I don't have hope for him. Butler's going to be tough on the road. Obviously, that was going to be difficult no matter what. Hinkle's just a whole other, uh, whole other ball game. Man, Hinkle's been rocking this year. Even for Marquette, that place was rocking. Yeah, I mean, I know it was like what eleven o'clock tip there on MLK Day, but yeah, I mean that that's just seems like a i haven't been yet it's um on my list but seems like a great place to watch a game and i think the jays that's going to be a difficult environment for them on to uh, you know a week and a half from now but yeah i mean you line it up just all things being equal i mean there's no reason we can't go three and one in that next four game stretch and i would think that if you do that i mean you're 21 and two i mean Okay, I'll take that every single season. Come on, who wouldn't? Like, seriously. Right. That's getting a coach a raise right there. I remember when Creighton used to win 20 games and they would print T-shirts for Tony Baroni because he had 20-20 vision. (laughs) I mean, I know things are changed and, like, a little thing's different, but, I mean, we're talking, like, these guys are 18-1. to So, um, you know, there was about an hour and a half this afternoon where um, I questioned my reasons for being a sports fan again, but – you know, I think See, I love all. this too because you just won a World Series as a Cubs fan. Oh yeah, and what like um like a, what two months later that's already gone. The euphoria is gone. You're back now, to being like it's. I like, think it helped can, me. Nothing no. can go right. Honestly, I think it helped me today. I the think life that, of a sports fan. I think I that it. if I hadn't had that happen to me as as a sports fan today, it would have been much worse, much darker. Okay. Totally. So um, what what if you guys had lost Game Seven to the Indians like? You know, but still, you had the three-one comeback. You Dude, I thought seven. they had when when Rajay Davis hit that ball. I thought they, I thought they had lost. I, I did too. I thought that was total Cubs. So, right there. so then it was. But I mean, like you'd still be Phoenix rising from the ashes in front of my face during a rain delay. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been like the ninety <laughs> old styles I drank that I was like a hallucinating. Flaming, a flaming winged Billy Goat, or that I had like lit something on fire at Polly's on accident. You know, <laughs> out of frustration, but. Um, no, yeah, I think I think I was, that's... And I was asking John Bishop this too, like maybe a month ago or so. I was like, "Would you trade?" I was like, "You get to call a Creighton Final Four run this year, or a but your Cubs can never make the playoffs again in your lifetime ever." Oh, I picked the. Cubs. And he 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 struggled. He did too. Yeah. He took the Cubs too. I was like, but that but for him, I was like, that's like a professional bucket list moment. There, you get to call a Final Four. Dude, now if you switch and, and, that, or, or the Cubs can never make the playoffs again, and he was like, "Oh, Cubs," and I was like, "Okay, what if Creighton wins the national title?" I'd pick Creighton. Would you really? Oh yeah. So a national title over the Cubs never making the postseason ever again. You take that a yes. great national title one. Yes. Okay. I so would, he he was still on the fence. I would, I would buy that in a heartbeat. I would quit my job. I'd get. I would go out to 72nd and Dodge, and I'd live there. I'd be that guy that's just always on the corner, not just asking for money or anything, just holding <laughs> up a sun that says Creighton National Champions 2017. <laughs> I would just, just do the, that. 
Just have the banner with you. The I whole just time. I would have Patrice drop me off there on on her way to work, and <laughs> it, I would do that. I would dedicate my life to letting people to reminding people every day, nice. every day that that happened. Okay. Well, at least we know you can stop a little short. Bishop was. <laughs> I should. I'm gonna ask him again now because that would even be more of an incredible feat now because everybody said it's impossible. So. <clears throat> that's I what like, i read no. i read that yeah. they were gonna play for a national championship but that I read. <laughs> it's not gonna happen anymore so i didn't know they were it's like the news hit me all in just one giant title <laughs> wave today because i didn't even know they were predicted to win the national title i know and then i found out that that not only is that not gonna happen but the final four isn't gonna happen like none of that and i didn't even know that stuff was already set in stone so like all of that i had to process the fact that first of all they made it and they won it all and then it was taken away, and then there's the emotion for Maurice. Like you feel bad for the guy because he worked so hard. But then like, you know, like Martine is out there celebrating a national championship. You know, carrying <laughs> around his country's flag. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. Yeah. All so, of this facetiousness and sarcasm, by the way, Jays fans, is brought to you by Lawler's Custom Sportswear nice. Apparel. Like that little segue. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know. So I I needed to throw that plug in there. Go buy go buy your ten jerseys, right? They should be on sale now. Yeah. Oh, they're not gonna be on sale, man. Go buy them and and, and stand in unity with Mo. Okay. Uh, rocking those tens everywhere, or um, or wait, like I swear, man, they got to get on this gray jersey thing. I was. So not what was a, the what was the Josh Jones tribute they did a few years ago when he had to retire because of the heart thing? Well, what did they do for him? They had like a legend night, right? Yeah. They had Legend Night. That was fun. Do you think they'll do some? Do they'll do some promo for Maurice and just have like a Maurice Watts have a WAP night or something like WAP that. WAP night, I like it. You know, uh, just like everybody like dress up as like Burger King, <laughs> or like dress like you're going to a doo wop. A doo wop. What's, what's a doo wop? What's like that? A, like an old dance from like Greece, oh, with like okay. the poodle skirts and stuff. All right. I hate Greece, by the way. It's one so of my that least like... favorite movies of all time. I can't believe I just cited it on. I love. I love. I love Greece. What's wrong with Greece? I'm a musical guy. I like musicals. I like musicals too. I just don't like John Travolta. So. Oh well, that's that's fair. I understand. Um, so like, do you? Well, should we have like dance cams like multiple times? Like every time out, just do a dance cam, and it's just like a. They should do that cool. every single game. It doesn't matter whose knees is broken. Oh, you're a pro should... dance cam, are you? Oh, are you kidding, dude? We sit in section 123. We are the home of one of the founders of WBR is dance right. cam <laughs> guy. I mean, that's right. You know, we make we make our hay during the dance game and now since all of us have kids in the section they've taken the baton they've taken the torch and now all of our kids get mad run during the during this during the uh dance camp so we just because we have so many kids in our section we need more dance camps to you know everybody get, needs some time everybody needs some screen time get some game yeah. i think uh, that's something from races like little i think yeah. lawler should pick up the phone call max they they heard about this idea from a podcast that he thinks that they should listen to and uh tell him about the gray jersey thing man and just just lean into it just go all gray the rest of the way all gray and then like matt Peral can suggest a gray out in the stands and it would be like the least consequential blank out of any sports team because like a bunch of gray shirts in an arena would just look like the century link center because of the chair colors Right, <laughs> right. You could. I already talk. thought all this out. I got. I, it. Clearly, you've been. You're prepared for tonight. I'm just ready to talk. I'm just hitting record, baby. Hit record. Let it fly. Let it fly. Uh, so, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I feel like this has been therapeutic for me. Yeah, um, I think you. I think you've made some some strides tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say that. I, the, I can't say that it's not going to come out. Uh, in copious amounts of curse words this weekend especially you know when marquette goes through like a a run midway through the first half and you know after losses to marquette DePaul, and georgetown we'll be back on the podcast you'll be in <laughs> type of a mood i am not sure that i would be back on the podcast do you think the pot when we take a break from the podcast for the season i told james he could be a guest one night maybe he why would not just, Maybe he would just run the show that one night. He would find the. It sounds like he's got a great. It sounds like he's got a great outlook on things with his immediate reaction to Maurice's injury. It sounds like. Yeah, we'll just let know, him run like a positive we, angle show. I'm sure most of the fans would call him a Kool Aid drinker, but you know he's young. He can get away with it right he's now. He's been fed that Kool Aid from birth, son. <laughs> He'll probably say the Kool Aid tastes good. So what? Exactly. Like, if you're like if you're a kid, why wouldn't you want to drink Kool Aid all the time? <laughs> exactly. 
So I don't know. Uh, I mean, women's basketball is doing pretty well. That's the thing. That's that's the funny thing about it to me too is like, women's basketball's been dealing with this since conference play started. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? They lost MC McGrory, the heart, like exactly what Maurice Watson brings to uh, the men's side. Just a little slower, maybe less athletic. No offense, MC, but. Um, you know, she's the heart and soul. She's the clutch kid. She's the person with the ball in her hands when the shot clock's winding down or the seconds are ticking away in the final, you know, end of half, end of the fourth quarter type of deal. Like, she's been like that her whole career. I mean, she was, like, almost legendary what she did in four days in Chicago last right. year. That team, you know, on the brink of an NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, and she's been out. I mean, she suffered a concussion late in Nebraska, so they've played – what, three, six? They played seven conference games and one non-conference game without her. They're seven and one, you know, since she went down. And that was a preseason all-league guard, you know, the captain, the the vocal leader, the heart and soul of the team. And they haven't missed a beat, you know. Blew the doors off Marquette in Milwaukee. Like, this stuff isn't impossible. I mean, sports stories are written about teams that overcome adversity. So, you know, put the shovels down. You know, put the coffin away. This team isn't dead yet. So, plus, like, if, any, if anyone's a good example of it, go watch DJ's. Go over DJ Soko Arena. You know, this team, this you know, Jim Flannery's got this team playing well. With you know, through injury after injury after injury after injury, they haven't missed a beat. You know, I think they've won like ten out of eleven since Thanksgiving. With Jade Owens out, with MC McGrory out, Ali Green out. You know, and they get a week this week to get even healthier in between. You know, in the midst of a three-game homestand, they get, you know, they played Saturday. Road trip. They're on a road trip. A oh, road trip. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Road trip. But, you know, they're yeah, at St. John's Providence, yep. St. John's, Seton Hall. I mean, those are winnable games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Saint, I mean, Seton Hall definitely is. They've been really struggling. You know, St. John's will be a dogfight like it always is because they like to play the ugliest brand of basketball you'll ever see. You know, but if they get through that, let's say they get through that one and one, then they're what seven and one in league play, with DePaul and Marquette coming at home, and Villanova and Georgetown on the road who they've already beaten. You know, then so it's pretty much like I guess five uh, or six out of seven winnable games after that. I mean, they have a chance to really put some, put some space between them and maybe three or four, and just have like a battle with DePaul in the last weekend of the season to see who wins this conference. So hmm. you know. Injuries notwithstanding, they haven't missed a beat yet. They certainly haven't hit their point where they're struggling. So um, I'm not going to start making excuses for the men's side while the women's are making excuses for their side. So I like it. I like that mentality. I'll try to channel that the next couple days as we – Yeah, just just be positive until you get a reason not to. Hey, man, I'll right? stay. Yep. Marquette, Georgetown, and DePaul up next. That's, you know. Next man up, next game up, one yeah, game at a time. you can steal three wins out of that. I think so. Anything else, Matt, you want to share? Hey, we have a baseball schedule. That's good, right? Oh, we do. Did we talk about that at all? I haven't even dissected that yet. We'll have to dissect that next time. We'll dissect that next time. Uh, Creighton Baseball Steak Fry coming up. If you guys have not been, it's a good time. I'm not getting paid any money to shill for that. Uh, <laughs> I just really like to go to that. And uh, uh, Ty Block is the guest speaker this year. They just announced today. Right? <laughs> it's amazing. And I think, weren't they going to have – Pat Vendetti and uh, Darren Ruff come by and talk to the kids that show up and sign some autographs and stuff. So, oh really? Nice. I, I thought I saw that earlier. So that'd be uh, three pro J's showing yep. up, uh, which would be a good time. So you know, go to gocrayton.com to find out more information about it. you're looking for a baseball fix. A bunch of us will be representing White and Blue Review there in uh, cash next weekend. I think that is next Sunday. So. Um, and again, if you're still looking for Jay's gear, which I know you're trying to load up for the home stretch here and trying to figure out what you're going to wear during the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, go to Lawler's for all your Creighton apparel locations, uh, a couple different brick and mortar locations around the city, but always available at uh, Lawler's on the web. So I have nothing else to add, Matt. Really appreciate you jumping on. I know that you're going to be at the Championship Center on Wednesday to hear from Mo, I think, and the coaches and uh, get a uh, get a sense. So I'm sure you'll be on Twitter sharing some of those insights in real time as you're getting those. Sure. Um, but, again, thanks for hanging in there tonight and getting this recorded. And uh, anybody looking for any of our most up-to-date stuff, 
whiteandblueview.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc. So, for Matt Morenas, I'm Bryant Ott. Going to sign off tonight with a hearty thanks for listening and go Jays. <laughs>